You are listening to the podcast of Anthem Church in Columbia, Missouri. For more information, visit us online at anthemcolumbia.com. Uh, we're we're going to continue walking through the book of Psalms. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and uh, turn with me to Psalm 139. Psalm 139 is, is where we're looking this morning. And in Psalm 139, as we'll read in just a few minutes, uh, really the, the whole theme, kind of the key of, of Psalm 139 is this idea of, of being known, okay? Of being known. And we, we love, uh, I, I think this is, this is kind of a thing that it, it's really important to a lot of us. You know, this idea of, of being known. We want to be known by people. But at the same time, it's interesting because, because even in that desire to be known, there's, there's another piece where it's like, yeah, but, but not too known, right? Like, I want people to know me. I want to have people. I want to have people asking how things are going. But, but you know, to, to a point, it, it reminds me of like the, um, like the smart home stuff. Have you guys seen, seen these things? Like, there's a part of me that's, I, I love the idea, these commercials that come out. First of all, I'm like, who... Who can do this? But they're, you know, they walk into their home and they're like, okay, Google, turn the lights on. And the lights come up because, you know, it's just too hard to turn a light switch on these days. Like, we have that technology where you don't have to do this anymore, which is awesome, right? And, and uh, like, like, you can be like, okay, Google, turn it to, you know, turn the TV on. Or, hey, Google, cook me supper. Or, hey, Go-. like, there's, there's a smart home. I don't think it can do that. But there's this, this technology where it's like, that would be awesome. But then there's another part of me, like the more conspiracy theorist part of me, that's like, yeah, but who's behind Google, right? Like, who's, who am I giving the keys to my home? Like, who, is somebody going to be, like, watching me, like, sing in the shower and stuff? Like, like that just... Right? Maybe you don't go that far, but, but there's a part of me where it's like, I would love to be known in that, but I don't know about that. And I think that it, that even translates into like relationships. Like you don't react, right? But I know SEC this morning, it was a uh, guy girl split and I, I heard a lot of laughing. I wasn't in there. I heard a lot of laughing and, and some good conversation, but like, like think about your relationships. If your spouse could read your mind, like if we want, we want our spouses to know us, right? But if your spouse could read your mind, would that be a really good thing for your relationship? Like don't respond, don't laugh, don't, right? But just think about that. You know, it's like we, we want to be known, but, but to a point, and I, and I think it's the same with when it comes to God. Like, uh, I think that the idea I, I heard, um, I remember when, when I was quite a bit younger, uh, I, I heard some parents of this, uh, this other, I won't name names, but some parents of this child, they were using the, like, God as, as the boogeyman, as their, like, disciplinary figure. Like, like you know, it's kind of this idea of, like, really, really, you want to talk to me that way when God can see you? Right? You, you want to do that thing when, when God knows, and it's this, it's this idea of like, like, this is worse than Santa Claus, right? He knows when you're sleeping, knows when you're, like, God is always there, right? And, and, and the idea in this interaction was God knows you, and, and that's not really a good thing. Because he, he knows what you're doing, he can see you. And yet, what, what I believe that David lays out for us in Psalm 139 is, is almost... It's not quite the opposite of it, but what David, and this is kind of the big idea that I want you to walk away with. I think I even have it up on the screen just so, so you can write it down. It's just so mind-blowing, mind but, but the big idea, no, that's not it. But anyway, it might not be up on the screen. The big idea this morning is that to be known by God is a cause for worshiping God. 
To be known by God is a cause to worship God. It's it's a point where it's like, oh, God knows me. He sees me, and therefore, I will worship him because that is a beautiful, incredible thing. Okay, read with me Psalm, Psalm 139, starting in verse 1. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my paths and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Let's stop there. See, David is laying out this, this knowing of God, this, this idea that, that God knows us, and, and he uses kind of the, the past, present, future tenses to, to be able to say, this is what this looks like, right? He, we see him saying, you have known me, that's like in the past, right? You, you have known me, and he says, you, you know when I sit down and when I rise up, so, so you see me right now. And not only that, but you discern my thoughts from afar. And that, that doesn't mean he's, he's like a ways away from us. That means before your thoughts even fully come into your head, God sees them as though they're on the horizon. He's like, oh, I, I can see what's coming. Past, present, future, God knows us. And there, there are things, I don't know about you, but there are things in those first few verses that just... It's like, oh, I don't know, that just makes me feel a little uncomfortable, right? The idea that, that you have searched me and you have known me. It's like, oh, so you, you saw when I did that thing. It's like, yeah, I, I saw that. Oh, you, you heard when, oh, you heard that. Like, you ever been in one of those situations where somebody overhears you and it's like, oh, 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 you heard that. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. Or you send that email to the wrong person, right? You ever... Or the text message to the wrong person. It's like, oh, you, you, you got that? Yeah, I got that. He says, it, 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 it kind of makes me feel uncomfortable. And it, like he, he goes on, you're acquainted with all my ways. That, that idea of being acquainted with all my ways. That it, it has this really, that word has this really intimate connotation. Like God knows, knows you. Right? He, he acquainted with, with all your ways. He says, even before a word is on my tongue, you know it all together. You know it completely. Before it even forms, like, like you see the actions, you see the thoughts, you see the passion, you see all these different things. And even before it's completely formed on my tongue, you know it completely. See, this makes me feel uncomfortable, and I don't, I don't know about you, I don't want to speak for you, but I think it makes me feel uncomfortable because I... I can't control the narrative when it comes to God, right? And we like to control the narrative, don't we? Like, we like to do this. If you think about, like, think about online dating. Like, this, this came about before I, I, you know, I don't know, internet. I, I'm in that weird gap generation. But, but like, online dating, it, it, you know, you, you kind of write up your profile from what I understand from the movies, right? You write up your profile, and it's like, you, you it's like, okay, yeah, I love to exercise once, right? I, I love to give to charity, like, my spare change at Christmas time for the bell ringer. Like, you know, you, you control the narrative, and, and it's like, oh, yeah, let me post a picture of when I was thin and had all my hair. Like, I, you know, like you control that narrative. And we see it all the time on social media, Right? Everybody's accounts on social media, everybody looks happier than you do. Everybody looks like they're having more fun than you are. Everybody looks like they're a better parent than you are. Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? 
Like it's, it's all, and we do this not even, not even like, yeah, social media and online, but we do this with, with people. Like, hey, good morning. How you doing this morning? What's the answer? Good, right? Oh, how's it going? Fine. You fine? I'm fine. You good? I'm good. We're all good. We're in church. We're good, right? Like we, we like to control the narrative and nobody, nobody on social media, you know, it's like, like what if, what if you were to be like, oh, you know, just me and my kids having an argument, right? Like, oh, <laughs> let me take a selfie with my wife as we argue about the same thing over and over. Smile, honey, right? Like as, as she's like hitting you, you know, and the, like nobody, nobody posts that. But, but see, what we see through scripture, I believe, is there is an amazing freedom when we don't try and control the narrative anymore. In, in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 15, Paul says it this way. He says, I thank him who has given me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. He says, that was me. I was a blasphemer. I was an opponent of God. And yet God came into the world to save me. Who's the worst of the worst. The one translation says, as the chief of sinners. See, that's Paul saying, look, I'm not going to try to control the narrative any longer because God knows me. He sees me. It's like, it's like when you're trying to, like, we set all this stuff up every Sunday morning, right? And these subs are heavy. This staging is heavy. And there's times where it's like, like you know, I'm trying to lift stuff. And it's like, I, I got to show these young bucks what's up, right? Like, that I can still do it. And so, like, I'm lifting stuff. And it's like, oh, I'm good. You know, I'm like, hey, hey, do you need help? No, I'm, I'm good. You know, until, until I realize there's, there's, this, there's this freedom and saying, actually, this is heavy, right? Actually, you know, if you, if you would grab onto the other side with this, of this with me, that would... That would be a lot, but there's freedom. You see, and what we see continually throughout Scripture reminds me of Hebrews chapter 4. I don't have it up on the screen. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 through 16. The, the author of Hebrews says, We have a great high priest who knows our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we are, and so therefore we can come before the throne of grace with confidence, knowing that we will have help in our time of need. See, this morning, Anthem Church, what, what my prayer is for you, what my desire for you is that if you're trying to continue to control the narrative of your life and say, no, I'm really not that bad, right? Things are, things are okay while they're falling apart all around you. There is freedom in saying, actually, God, I need your help. Because he knows you. He sees you. So stop. Stop and receive freedom from your sins through Jesus Christ. Stop and find freedom. David goes on and he, he, he begins to describe what, what happens when we stop. And he says, you hem me in, you hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me, verse 5. That, what, what he's describing there is he's describing forgiveness, he's describing protection, he's describing blessing. That idea of hemming me in, it, it has the same ring to it as Isaiah 52, 12 that says, for you shall not go out in haste. God is talking to his people as he's bringing them out of captivity. He's bringing them out of bondage. 
And he says, you shall not go out in haste and you shall not go in flight for the Lord will go before you and the God of Israel will be your rear guard. What he's saying there is he's saying, look, I got you. I got this. I'm going before you. And so whatever's in front of you, I've been there. I've got it. It's not going to overwhelm you. And actually, if anything tries to sneak up on you, guess where I am too. It's like, what? How is God in both places? I don't know, but he is. He says, I got you. And, and, and then he says, you lay your hand upon me. And this isn't, this isn't like my dad laying his hand on me when he like found my cigarettes, right? When, when I was in high school. That's, that's not this, right? This is, this is a, a blessing. God laying his hand on you. Saying, I, I have you. I am present. I'm with you. And David, with, with this with this understanding of being known by God it leads him to worship God because in this in this idea of just stopping and and just stopping trying to control the narrative he finds forgiveness and freedom and blessing he goes on to talk about the context in which this knowing happens in in verse 7 says, where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day for darkness as as light with you. In short, what David is saying is no matter where you are, no matter what your context, no matter, no matter what your condition, God knows you. He, he says, if I go up to heaven, of course we know God lives up in the sky, right? That's where he dwells. And so it's like, if I go up there, yeah, you're there. But he says, but, but if I sink lower than death, Sheol, it's a land of the dead. If I sink to that level, God, you're there too, and your hand is guiding me, and your hand is upon me. This is like like my best day and my worst day. It doesn't matter to you. You're with me. You you know me. He says that that verse 11 where it says, if I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, that the the, the connotation there, the way we should read that, it's this this idea of panic. the, the, The word, the imagery there is like a spreading bruise. Like something that, that starts maybe small and it just, it just starts to spread and, and, and it's threatening to overwhelm. And so, so David in this psalm, he's saying, even if I say, the darkness will surely overcome me. The, the, the light will, will, about me will be night. That's how we should read that. It's this, it's this, it's this threatening to panic. He says, even in that, even in that, God has me. Even in that place, guys, guys, this week, like, I just want to share just a little bit, like, a lot of you were praying for us yesterday, and I praise God for it. Um, we, we were in a place where uh, we got a call from the doctor. My, my daughter's got um, some different health things, and, and I asked her if I could share this, but uh, she's got some different health things, and, and Friday night we got a call. We, we did blood work um, this past week, and we got a call Friday night saying, hey, her, her lab work looks really bad. Her anti-rejection medication is, it was like 30, and it's supposed to be like 5, and, and like all these, and so they're like, you, you got to do blood work again, like soon, and so we were saying, okay, Monday, um, and then Saturday morning, we got a call from the transplant doctor, and he said, no, 
this needs to be done now. Because if, if this is the way it is, then she needs to come up to Minneapolis and with the, this is serious. And so my, my wife sent out a text and just saying, hey, pray for us. So we went in, we had lab work done, and we waited, and we waited, and we waited all day. And you know, as a, if, as a parent, there's this, there's this fear. If you've, if you've dealt with, with sickness, there's this fear, there's this, this waiting. It's like, God, what, what is, what's going to happen? What, what are we going to do? And, and not only that, my wife, I took her to the airport this morning. She's, uh, she flew out to Camden, New Jersey, which is the most dangerous, I guess, most dangerous city in America. It's like, no big deal, right? Uh, she's doing a, a camp for kids. She's a therapist. She's doing a camp for kids who have uh, undergone trauma. And um, so she was going to fly out. But there's all this like, what if? Like, is this, what's going to happen, God? And, and I, I felt this in the midst of that, in the, in the midst of all these questions and this, this threatening to overwhelm and say, well, well, what if, like she had a transplant five years ago, so what if now things are, like, what if? What if we have to spend another five months in the hospital? What if we have to, like, what's going to happen and praise God, we, we called him at like 3 o'clock in the afternoon yesterday. And I was like, hey, have you heard me? We've been, we're, I mean, we're kind of waiting, kind of concerned. They're like, oh, yeah, we just got the test results. And it must have been a mistake because it's great. It's like, oh, praise God, right? And even if, you know, it's like, you're like, oh, yeah, mistakes. Doctors are stupid, right? But, but it's like, even if, you know, I believe God did a miracle yesterday, praise God for it. He still heals, you know, and yeah, keep praying for us. But, but God, David says, even in the midst of that, in the places where we're threatening to be overwhelmed, God is still there and he's still working. And, he's still, and even if the doctor calls back and says, no, it is as bad as we think. Even in that place, God is still there and he knows you. And he has you. It's, it's that place where, where it says he enters into those dark places. And it's, as, it's, it's like light to him. What might be threatening to overwhelm us, to him, it's as bright as day. And he goes on and he says in verse 13, For you form my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me when as yet there was none of them. See, David is carrying on this idea of God seeing him in the darkest places. He said, well, what's the, what's the darkest place that I can think of? Like, what would, be, what would be the darkest place? Well, a womb, I guess, would be dark, right? Like, like he's, saying, he's saying, before anybody else even knew I existed, you knew me. Like, that's... I, can you get any, any, any more than that? Like, can you get any more known than that? What, what David is saying, it's like Jeremiah 1.5, where Jeremiah says, uh, God speaking through Jeremiah says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I pointed you a prophet to the nations. You see, God, David's saying, God knew me before I was born. And not only did he know me in just this general sense, like waving at you on the highway sense, but it's like in the sense that the, the artist knows the, the clay. He says, he intricately wove me together. 
He, he knew me. He, he, his plans. I, 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 that's why we, we see life here at Anthem Church as, as sacred from the, from the very beginning at, at conception. We see life as sacred. And there's so many. It's, it's awesome because there's so many women in Anthem Church that are pregnant. Right now, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. We're going to need more help, right, in nursery in just a few months. So if you're like, how can I get involved with Anthem Church? Nursery, that's, that's a way that you can get involved. So see Stacy at Info Central afterwards. That's a plug for nursery. But, but you see, we, we love, we love the, the fact that, that God has plans for your little babies right now before you can even see. But as, as you think about what those plans would be like, God has plans for them. And God is working and, and he's moving in. Guys, and I say that full well understanding that for some of you, some of us in here, yes, that's a point of celebration, but it's also a point of frustration and confusion. Because you might hear that and you might say, okay, what, what you're telling me then is like God knew that I would have this nose in these ears, right? Yeah. What I'm saying is, so God, God knew that my daughter would be born with this sickness, with these things. So you're telling me that God knew and he created in such a way that this would be our life, that our, that our kids would have these, these things and these, these trials and these heartaches. And it's like, yes, that's what David is saying. But, but see here, see in the midst of that, what he's saying is he's saying, the days were formed for me, when as yet there were none of them. See, God knows he knew and he saw and he, he made and he created in such a good and beautiful way. And he has a plan for each and every one of our lives, for you, for me, for our kids. And that doesn't go to plan B because there's an accident. It doesn't go to plan B because the doctors say something else. See, God's plan is good. And it doesn't matter if that life lasts for 75 years or moments. Right? His plan is perfect. David, David goes on to say in verse 17, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake and I'm still with you. He's saying those plans, those thoughts, those aims, whatever you have for me, it's precious. And it's beautiful. And I can rest in it. Guys, not only do we, do we care about life that's in the womb, but that's, this is why we care about life outside of the womb too. This is why we want to be about foster care and adoption. This is why we want to be about those things because there are so many kids out there whose God's plan for them didn't stop when they were born. We don't want to just protect babies while they're in their mommies, but we want to protect them and give them hope and we want to give them life and we want to love them when they're out as well. Guys, my, my wife, I don't say this to like to my own horn, but my, my wife and I, right now, we're in the process of foster care. We, we just had our, our first home study. We're starting classes in September, so if you, if you want to know more, I don't know a whole lot. My wife is doing an amazing job, and, and so she's not here today, but, but I'm sure she would love to talk to you. But guys, 
there are kids out there who, who need love and who need families and who need to be poured into. And who better to do that than people who are known by God? Who better to open up their homes? And guys, I'm saying this and with the full awareness that I am scared. And I think it's okay to admit that. I'm scared of what foster care might mean. I'm scared of what it might do to, to my, my perfect little life. And yet at times, I believe being known by God leads us into places that might be uncomfortable. It leads us into places where God says, hey, I know the plans I have for you. Will, will you trust me as you follow me? And we want to be about foster care and adoption as a church, as people who are known by God. Because David says, your thoughts are precious to me. And his thoughts, his plans for the unborn and the born and, and all of us, they're precious. David continues in the psalm. He says, verse 19 Oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. Now, let's just stop there. Can we just, can we just admit this seems like it's a dark turn in David's psalm, right? It says, oh, that you would slay the wicked, oh God. Oh, men of blood, depart from me. They speak against you with malicious intent. Your enemies take your name in vain. Do I not hate those who hate you, O Lord? And do I not loathe those who rise up against you? I hate them with complete hatred. I count them my enemies. Now let's not forget, this is a song. Right? Yeah. Some of you are laughing because you're catching the implications. Like, can you imagine if we come to church one morning and Nick Serene, who is standing right here, is like, Hey, how's it going? My name's Nick. I have a... <laughs> yes, like my, like my Nick Serene impersonation. I have a new song for you. Oh, God, kill the, you know, it's like he just launches in. I, I, I can imagine me and the elders being like, hey, buddy, you, you doing okay? Like, you want to you wanna talk about something? Right? You, we can look at this and it's like, man, David's, David's like, I don't know if he's having an off day or what. But, but I think when we read this, David's not, David's not having an off day. David's looking at how incredibly beautiful it is to be known by God. And he's looking at those who are out there who are, who are saying something else, saying something different, who are blaspheming God, who are talking against God, who are, who are, who are coming up against God. And they're saying, no, we, can, we, we know better. There are other things that, that can know you better than God. What does it get you to be known by God? And he says, if anything comes against this beautiful, incredible message, I hate that thing. I am opposed to that thing. I am opposed to that, whatever that is that, that rises up and tries to take my affection, take my knowing away from God. I hate that thing, and I am, I am opposed to it. And he is, he, he's not mincing words. It, it, is, it is dangerous and it is seeking to, to destroy. So I, I am opposed to those things. But before you go too far and like, yes, right? Yeah, David, I'm with you. I hate those liberals or I hate those conservatives or I hate those Democrats or Republicans, you know, whatever it is. We, we live in a very polarized society. Whatever it is, you're like, you're looking out there and it's easy to look out there and be like, yeah, that's, uh, that's what he's talking about today. If David was writing this today, he'd be talking about fill in the blank. Before you go too far out there and, and say, yeah, I, I'm opposed to that too. David switches real quick and, and, and he ends the psalm with this, verse 23. Search me, O God, and know my heart. 
Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. See, I believe that we should, we should be looking out there and we should be saying, man, if anything's trying to take me away from God, if anything's trying to take my, my affection, if anything's trying to take me out of the knowing of God, then we should be opposed to that thing. We should seek those things out and we should eradicate them from our lives. But at the same time, as David says, I hate those things that are out there. And he says, but you know what? I also hate it when I see it in here. God, he, he, starts, he starts this psalm by saying, God, you have known me. And he ends the psalm by saying, God, continue to know me. God, God continue. Because in the same way, as I said, in the same way that I hate to see anything that would steal affection away from you out there, God, I know I feel it in here. Maybe, maybe I'm not killing people physically, but God, search me, know my heart, and, and make it apparent to where, where I, am, I am killing people in my heart, where I'm just writing people off because they're too difficult. I'm just, I'm just writing them off because they, they, they're just, you know, whatever. They're, they're done. God, know my heart. Search me. God, maybe, you know, maybe you, you, you're not, you're not, take, we, we don't take God's name in vain by, you know, cursing. But I believe David's saying, God, no, search me. Oh, God, know my heart. Seek out the ways that, that I have taken your, vein, your name in vain by my actions. The, the ways that I have taken your name in vain by what I allow myself to be entertained by. Because I say that I'm a Christian, I say I'm a follower of Christ, I say that, that I am a God-fearing person, and yet I, I allow myself to be entertained by all these other things, and I take your name in vain because, because I, I basically say, oh yeah, God would approve of this because, you know, because I love God, right? See, I believe, I believe what David is saying here is he's saying, God, you know me, and I found, I found forgiveness and freedom, but continue to know me. Continue to seek me out. Guys, what would it look like, Anthem Church, what would it look like if we said, all right, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to continue walking in this prayer. This week, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to pray this prayer. Search me, oh God. Search me, oh God, and, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. What would it look like for us to pray this prayer when we're waiting in line at Menard's? Not, not the first part about, oh, God, slay the wicked, right? That's, that's easy when we're, when we're in those places. But the part where it's like, this line is taking a long time, and I've got a paint project at home. Oh, God, search my heart. Know me. Know my thoughts. Let me love these people the way you love people. What would it look like for us to pray this prayer when, when we're dealing with people that are, that are difficult? Oh, God, know my heart. Search me. Let, me, let me love this person the way you love them. What, what would it look like, parents, for us to, to pray this prayer that God would continue to know our hearts when we're interacting with our kids? Students, what would it look like for us to pray this prayer when, when we're interacting with people in our classes? It's, it's starting, right? It's right around the corner. Summer's almost over. What would it look like for us to pray this prayer and walk this way that David did? Walking knowing, walking, walking knowing that we are known by God. And, and not only just, just knowing that, but, but rejoicing in that. Right? 
knowing that, that no, matter, no matter what happens to us, he knows us. He knows what you've done. And because we, we, we don't have to try and, try and craft the, control the narrative any longer, we can come to him, we can find forgiveness and freedom and blessing. What would it look like for us to, to walk praying that prayer like David, knowing that we, whatever it is that we're going through, we can find solace and we can find comfort in the fact that God's plans for us are precious. And he is working. He's not overcome. He's not overwhelmed. What would it look like for us to walk through this life showing people around us what it looks like to walk, being known by God and therefore worshiping God? The question I have for you this morning is, are you there yet? Is that you? Because in the same way that, like I started, I think there are times, if I, if I were honest, there's times in my life where I read these words and I still feel a little uncomfortable. It's like, God, I want you to know me, but I don't know, I don't know if I want you to know me. Right? I want you to know me, but could you shut your eyes while I watch this show? Because I've, I've heard it's really good. It got 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. So could you just shut your eyes while I watch this show? Like, God, God, I want you to know me, but I don't know if I want you to know me in, in that way because it might mean I have to change some things. Anthem Church, I believe that as we continue to lean into what it means to be known by God and his plans and his purposes, it will lead us to worship him. So as a church, let's, let's pray that prayer this week. Right? Let's, let's pray that prayer that says, that says, search me, O God. Know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's pray. God, I do, I pray that prayer. This morning, I pray that prayer, oh God, that you would know my heart. And I, I just want to say, God, I praise you and I thank you that, God, I, I praise you that you know me, that you have searched me. And God, you, you know the things I've done. You know the person that I've been. And yet, yet you have forgiven me. And God, I pray that if there are people in this place here this morning, God, who are still trying to control the narrative, they're still trying to, to pretend like they're okay when they're really not okay, God, I pray that you would bring them to a place where they can, where they can give up, they can let down their burdens, and they can say, actually, I can't do this, so God, will you come and will you heal me? And will you save me? Will you bring me into relationship with you, God? I, I, I'm sure there's people in here who, who are feeling threatened by maybe being overwhelmed by the things that they're going through. God, I pray that in that place, in that space that they're at right now this morning, God, I pray that you would just speak comfort to them, helping them to feel your presence. God, help them to know you. God, help them to know that you know them. And God, I pray that if there be anything in our lives that are threatening to take your place. God, I pray that you would bring a hatred that would say, no, I don't want that anymore. I don't want that stuff in my life. God, I want it to be eradicated from me. And God, I pray that you would search me. Not only, not only do I hate it when I see it out there, but God, I see it in me. And God, I hate it. So would you please come and do a work in me? Would you know me so that, God, I can worship you and I can walk as one who is known by you? God, we love you. We praise you. I praise you that you know us. It's in your name. Amen.